0: to another episode of the Beulah Girl Podcast. For links, related resources, and even more encouragement, visit BeulahGirl.com. Hi, friend. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is the Beulah Girl Podcast, and I'm Carol Whitaker, your host. We are in the second episode of a series that I started last week called Rejoicing in Trials. We, in this episode, and the previous one, we are focusing on James 1, 2, and 4, which I will read in a minute. But we've just been talking about this idea of how we can experience joy even in the midst of our hardest circumstances and how we can see a purpose in the trials that we go through. Last week, I talked really about the idea of being joyful, of the reason that we can experience joy even in hard circumstances. And this week, I want to focus on the idea of how our trials can be seen as positive in that they make us better fit to serve in God's kingdom and I'll explain that in a minute if you're already feeling a little irritated or offended because you are going through something hard and you just don't really want someone to tell you you know that you should be joyful about it or you don't want someone to tell you that this is going to make you a better servant in God's kingdom I hope you'll hang on with me for just a minute because I think you're going to be Really pleasantly surprised by what you find in James. And if you haven't listened to episode one, it will kind of help to tie together all the pieces. And so if you have a minute to circle back and listen to the first episode, it will help to tie all the pieces together in terms of what we're talking about today. To start off, kind of kick off our talk, I want to ask you a question Have you ever said to God, Lord, please not today. Please do not make me do anything for you today. I don't want to talk to anyone today. Please don't put anyone across my path that is going to need something from me in, in terms of some kind of witnessing or you know, you're going to give me something you want me to do to help that person because I just don't have it in me. Maybe because you are going through a circumstance that is so stressful, it is literally pressing the life out of you and it just feels like you can't think about anything else Maybe it's a financial worry and you've prayed and prayed and prayed and it just seems like God has not answered your prayer. He has not provided and you're wondering, you know, how you're going to pay the bill or, you know, scrape up the money needed for whatever it is that is pressing down on you. Or maybe it's a problem with a child and again, you've cried out to God, you've begged and you've pleaded and you said, Lord, you know, help me be a better parent or help, Uh, help me to know how to, you know, remedy this problem I'm having with this child in terms of behavior or whatever. And it just seems like it hasn't gotten any better, or maybe it's some kind of relationship issue. Maybe you're on the brink of divorce, or you've just gone through a divorce, or you found out, you know, something um, about your spouse that is making you question your marriage or whatever the case. And it's literally pressing down on you to the point that you really feel like you can't focus on anyone else right now because of what is going on in your life. How can you possibly serve when you're so troubled and and in so much pain yourself? There are certainly those days when we feel too much pressure, too much sorrow, too much stress. To really want to serve God, and there are certainly times and seasons where we need to grieve, um, we need to process through emotions. That's certainly healthy, and and I'm not advocating we ignore our feelings, that we don't take rest, that we don't take moments to to grieve or to process through emotions, but. What I am going to be saying throughout this that that I'll explain further in a moment is serving God does include serving him on days when we may feel very weighed down by circumstances, very fatigued at times, very troubled. And we may say, Lord, are you serious? You're expecting, you know, we may feel a nudge to do something. We're saying, Lord, are you serious? You're actually expecting me to talk to this person today or whatever. And we may take offense at that, or we may find that unbelievable. But what we're going to find, as I'm going to be explaining later in this, is that that we can serve God even in our trials and our trials are even those that make us better fit to to serve him. If you have been listening to this podcast for any length of time or read my blog, then you know that I believe in the full range of spiritual gifts. Um, I come from a very charismatic background. I've spent 12 years in a Pentecostal church. I'm now attending a non-denominational church, but I believe very much in the full range of spiritual gifts. And one gift that I personally have, I know that not everyone has this gift um, and you may have different spiritual gifts and we all serve God in different ways. But one gift that you know I'm learning to walk in more fully is the gift of the prophetic. And so often when I go out in, in, you know, public to restaurants, library, you know, uh, grocery store, a lot of times, you know, I'll sometimes when I get near certain people, I will sometimes just have a, a word dropped into my spirit for that person. Um, just sometimes it it will just be a, direction that leads to something else. It's usually just one word or so. I don't usually know a whole lot, but it will usually just be, you know, witness to that person or pray for that person. So I'll ask, you know, do you need any, is there anything going on that you need prayer for right now? And then it will lead to a conversation about maybe something they're going through in their life or maybe a, you know, someone sick in their family or something. Um, and then sometimes it's just more specific in that if I'm having a conversation with a person, sometimes there'll be a very specific word that tells me what direction I'm supposed to take that conversation. And it's very uncomfortable. Sometimes it's very awkward because I'm always in attention in myself of, did I hear correctly? And where is this going to go? And not knowing from the other person that what's going on in their life. These are people that I don't know And so it's easier if it's with a friend and I know that they believe in God and they, and I know a little bit about about what's already going on in their life. And I know that, okay, this is in alignment with what they're already going through. But with people I don't know, it can be, it's exciting, especially when it, you know, I see, okay, I see where this is going because they fill in details, but it's also terrifying because I don't know where it's going to go. And, a lot of times there are multiple steps where i'll talk to a person and then i'll feel like a you know after i'm leaving i'll feel like i need to walk back in the store and there's something else to stay. or i'll go home and as i pull into my driveway it will just dawn on me okay i maybe i was witnessing that person and i didn't explain this certain concept of salvation and it's like god's pressing me they need to know that and then i have to drive back and try to you know tell them again and so sometimes there's multiple steps and it's really it's really really time-consuming and it takes a lot of energy and effort and it's inconvenient and it also is just blind faith of believing I'm hearing from God but also wondering okay am I gonna look completely weird and odd here but anyway sometimes on some days quite honestly so I'm working on this I'm working on being obedient on acting in faith and you know staying with it Staying with it when there's multiple steps, and um, there, but there's some days I'm just I am so tired. I'm like begging God, please, Lord, don't tell me anything today. Don't because I just want to go buy shoes and I don't want to be bothered. And you know, I'm actually a fairly shy person, um, fairly introverted, and. So it's, it's takes energy and effort for me to even just strike up a conversation to someone about something not related to spiritual matters, let alone spiritual matters when I don't necessarily know how that person is going to respond. And so maybe you can relate as you're listening, because maybe, you know, you, you know, God will nudge you in similar ways, or maybe, you know, you have a different gifting where, you know, God has you step out in a different way. But all of the ways that he uses us, even though his spirit empowers us, it still takes energy and effort on our part. And sometimes we'd rather just just have a day to ourselves and not have to yield to his spirit. James 1, 2 through 4 says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. When I talked about this verse last week, which by the way, last week I focused more on the first verses really, I guess, one through um, three, and I'll be focusing more on verse four this week. But I looked at the idea of trials being joyful, not because we all love to go through hard times, but because they produce in us perseverance and that it's really only through the hard things we go through, that perseverance is produced. But I want to take that a step further and say that what this verse is telling us is that perseverance is not the end goal of our trials in and of itself. That in fact, as verse four in the verse tells us, this perseverance is that which must be allowed to finish its work. It says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So as this wording suggests, there is a step beyond perseverance that is being worked out as we endure through our trials, we grow spiritually and become, again, not only do we grow as far as being able to um, endure or be patient in trials, but we become mature and complete lacking nothing. So overall, we grow spiritually, we become what God is intending us to become And to kind of understand what it means by mature and complete, we need to understand that this is meaning whole in every part, that there is nothing lacking to complete our character. And as theologian Albert Barnes explains in reference to this passage, we may have elements of good character, but in order for us to be complete, we have to allow what God is developing in us to be fully carried out. So it's not just having a few good elements within us that may, you know, are part of a good character. It's those elements being fully worked out to completion. So spiritual wholeness is becoming what God intends for us to be and living in that reality and all that goes along with that. The goal of the Christian walk is to, of course, be conformed in the image of God, in the image of Christ, and to allow him to change us from within, So this verse is talking about allowing that work to take place and that our trials, they're developing as perseverance. And when perseverance is allowed to work, it develops in us what we're intended to be. So how is it in talking about perseverance, finishing its work, some translations say endurance or patience. How do we allow this perseverance to finish its work and accomplish in us what is needed for us to be spiritually mature? Well, basically, the verse is telling us that when we stay the course and not allow our trials to take us off course is when we allow perseverance to do what it's intended to do. And this isn't referring to just merely hunkering down and enduring our trials, although it is talking about submitting to the hard things that come into our lives as Orchestrated to develop in us what is needed as far as perseverance, but it's also referring to action in the midst of trial that we continue in active obedience to God in the midst of our hard situations and do not allow the character that is being developed within us to be hindered. As Albert Barnes explains in his commentary of this passage, we don't allow what God is attempting to have developed within us through our trials to, and the perseverance um, that is working within us to be hindered by rebellion or opposition to the word of God. I just want to read to you what Albert Barnes, he says about this passage. He says, let it or perseverance be fairly developed. Let it produce its appropriate effects without being hindered. Let it not be obstructed in its fair influence on the soul by murmurings, complaining, or rebellion. Patience under trials is fitted to produce important effects on the soul, and we are not to hinder them in any manner by a perverse spirit or by opposition to the will of God. Everyone who is afflicted should desire that the fair effects of affliction should be produced on his mind. Or that the fair effects of affliction should be produced in his soul, precisely the results which his trials are adapted to accomplish. There may be elements of good character; they may be sound, there may be sound principles, but these principles may not be fully carried out so as to show what they are. Affliction is perhaps more than anything else will do this, and we should therefore allow them to do all that they are adapted to do in developing what is good in us. The idea here is that. It is desirable not only to have the elements or principles of piety in our soul or, you know, good virtues, but to have them fairly carried out so as to show what is the real tendency and value. So basically, what he's saying is that perseverance, if we want to allow perseverance to finish its work, if we want to attain all that God has for us, if we want to be what he has created us to be, then we have to allow what he has ordained in our lives. We have to allow it to finish, um, to do what it's intended to do, which is we endure the trial, we are obedient in the trial, and we don't hinder the work that is being done by opposing what he's doing in our lives by simply running away or by trying to get out of the trial. Now, this doesn't mean that we can't tell him what we really think about what we're going through. This doesn't mean that we can't be honest about the pain we're experiencing. This doesn't mean that we don't ask questions or we attempt to understand why we're going through what we're going through, but rather than simply try to escape the trial, rather than try to harden ourselves against it and just harden ourselves against God and simply resist his spirit because we're angry about what we're going through. We submit to it. We also are still obedient to him in the midst of the trial, knowing that the, the perseverance that our trials are, is producing, that that is finishing. it's working within us and the, the ultimate, um, and goal of that is going to be for us to be spiritually mature. If we look at the apostle Paul, he said in acts 20, 24, and I'm reading the new King King James, he says, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry, which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. So basically what he's saying is none of the things that he went through or was going through he was allowing them to move him, that he was remaining fixed and firm. So even though he was going through um, persecution, opposition, imprisonment, he had some really, I think, terrifying things happen to him, like shipwreck. Um, Even in those things, he fully entrusted himself to God. And he even Counted his adverse circumstances as those that would further help to advance the gospel. He says that in um, Philippians 1 12. Similarly in Matthew 24 13, um now I mentioned the apostle Paul, but Jesus is really the perfect example of someone who remained firm until the end you know the end and accomplished his end his end goal, his purpose on earth. But he in explained to his followers. What they would experience in the end times, he urged them to persevere to the end. And, you know, was warning them about all the hard things they would go through. And Luke 21, 19 says a similar idea and says, you know, says to believers, stand firm and you will win life. So when we're going through hard things, the idea in these passages and also in James is the idea of enduring our trials, being obedient in the midst of our trials, knowing that what's being produced in us is is good, and also not shutting down in the midst of hard circumstances, but letting those hard circumstances spur us on to service. We may say, you know, Lord, how can you expect me to serve right now? I have all of these problems going on, and yet, even in our most pressing times, God wants to use us, and sharing with others in our pain can actually help us get through our own pain and even forget, for, you know, make us feel better about what we're going through in our whole life, in our own lives. So how is it that we can help others? How can we remain faithful and endure when we're going through hard times? How is it that we can let the perseverance finish its work? How can we still serve God and remain active when we're going through hard times, how can we just kind of even wrap our minds around that? Well, number one is we comfort others with the comfort we ourselves have received. The only reason that we can even minister to others is because we are receiving from him. And we only have something to give because he himself is giving to us. As it says in 2 Corinthians 2, 14. A great illustration of this is I have a three-year-old and she loves... Well, she's a very caring little girl to begin with, but she loves to play with dolls and stuffed animals and she will rock her stuffed animals. She'll kiss them. She'll say goodnight and wrap them in little blankets. When she's playing with them, she'll feed them with a spoon. And as I'm looking at her doing this, I'm just amazed because I'm thinking to myself, how does she know? She knows what to do with her stuffed animals because I did not realize, but she's been paying attention. All the times that I put her to bed, all the times I kiss her goodnight, all the times I put a blanket on her, all the times that I've fed her with a spoon, that she does those things because that's what's been given to her. And similarly, we have something to give others because of what we have received from God. Number two, what can also help us when we're trying to wrap our minds around, okay, how is it that we can help others when our own hearts are breaking is we remember the source of our renewal. God isn't a cruel taskmaster, master desiring to sap our strength and make us work ourselves down to the bone. We need rest. We need moments to process, to grieve. Yet when we work to do his will and listen to his spirit, we ourselves are renewed. There's this idea that not only do we give out of what we ourselves have received, but we understand that God, if he's asking us to step out in a way that we're not simply generating, trying to generate results or just randomly, you know, working ourselves down to the bone, just trying to talk to every person we encounter. No, we're listening to the spirit of God. And if he's asking us to step out in a certain way We just trust him and say, okay, Lord, I'm exhausted right now, but I'm trusting you right now. You're going to renew me when I step out and do this because that's your promise to me in scripture that you're going to refresh me for doing your work. So when we feel discouraged, worn out, we're thinking, Lord, this is offensive that you're asking me to minister to somebody else because of how I feel right now. We have to trust that if he's asking us to do something, that it's for not only the good of the person that we're talking to, but it's for our good as well and that we're going to be renewed in the process. Um, Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30 talks about taking Jesus's yoke upon us and talks about how we find rest in our souls when we follow him. But it's, it's not just a laying around doing nothing. It's this idea that we get rest in our souls when we do his will the third point I want to bring about in relation to how we can help others when our own hearts are breaking is that we trust that God will take care of our kingdom when we take care of his. I think that one of, for many of us, not only do we sometimes feel like we have too much pain in our lives or hardship to help others, but often I think that it can be a little bit simpler than that, in that often we just feel like we have too much going on or we may have too much going on during a day. And we feel like if we don't get to these certain things and finish these eight tasks that we need to get to today, that, you know, we are going to be severely behind. Our households aren't going to run efficiently. Our kids aren't going to be taken care of. They aren't going to have you know, lunches to take to school. We're not going to have groceries in our house. We're, our houses are not going to be functioning because we're not taking care of the things that need to be taken care of. And we have legitimate concerns that things that we definitely need to take care of our spouses, our work, our children. We need to check up on our friends and, and family. And we have areas um, that, you know, we've made commitments to certain churches or activities or whatever. So there's this normal life stuff, but the Bible says that when we make him and the work, he gives us a priority. It's not saying don't focus on your kids or don't just throw everything to the wayside and neglect everyone else in your life. But it is saying that when we make Jesus a priority, he will help us to take care of our kingdom. It tells us that in Matthew 6, 33, when we seek first his kingdom, then he adds the things we need to ours. And that's not saying we don't ever have to do anything to, uh, in regards to our own kingdom. But it does mean that just to put him first and trust that, okay, if he's asking me to step out and talk to this person today or share my story here or witness, even if I'm having a busy day, the other things are going to fall into place if I listen to him and if I do what he asks. So often we look at the negative things that trials bring. The pain, the inconvenience, and the stress. And yet, what James is telling us in this passage is trials can usher good things in as well. A person who has suffered much is somebody who is going to, if if those trials are allowed to do their work, is someone who is going to be brought to spiritual maturity. And not only that, that person is someone that is going to be able to sympathize and minister better to another suffering person. If someone has not suffered anything in their life, never had a big disappointment, never had a tragedy, never had a hardship, then they are not going to be able to speak to or comfort another person. They are probably going to say something callous, something insensitive. They're not going to know what it really feels like to go through pain because they haven't experienced it themselves. And so pain can actually be that If we don't harden ourselves to it, that makes us more effective in helping others. Jesus is described in the Bible as a man of sorrows. He was misunderstood by his family, his community. He was laughed at. He was betrayed by his closest friends, but he did not allow his pain ever to prevent him from doing his father's will. He was always fixed on his purpose and nothing prevented him from attaining that, not even the pain of rejection the pain of betrayal the pain of 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 you know persecution none of that deterred him i want to just close by telling a story about a woman in my church she is was in a bible study i did some time ago but she came and sat next to me one day in bible study and I had talked to her a few times, but I didn't really know that much about her. But she sat down and she told me a little bit about her story. And I knew that this woman had had some health problems. She's older and she, you know, um, had kind of shared a little bit about that she had been to various doctors and she had some various pains and things. And so I knew that, but I didn't know really the other things that were going on in her life that were also those things that could have easily discouraged or hindered her weighed her down. But she told me that she had two children that had passed away, that I believe she had three children, but two of her children, she had a son and daughter, were both killed, or I'm sorry, both died in very tragic ways. One was killed and then one one died. So her son did not live in in the same state but for i can't remember the exact reasons but he had some health problems and one day he needed some medical attention he was in his apartment alone he couldn't get to his phone and he couldn't call for help and so he died alone in his apartment in need of medical attention i can't remember if he had a seizure or it was a blood clot i can't i can't remember the exact reason but it was something that was very treatable and could have been, um, could he could have lived had he had immediate medical assistance, but no one knew that he was suffering and he wasn't able to call anyone. And so his mo- mother, who, when she hadn't heard from him in a day or two, called and checked on him and he was found in his apartment um, that he, he found that he had died. And so that was difficult um, because again, as a mom, you would feel like if I'd only been there, if, if, if only had called sooner, you know, what ifs, those would play in your mind. And then on top of that, her daughter was actually murdered by a boyfriend that she was in a situation where there was domestic violence and she was in a situation that she needed to get out of with her kids And again, I can't remember if it was a husband or boyfriend, but, um, she basically told the significant other that she, you know, she was leaving because of the violence and he did not like that. And so he killed her, he murdered her. And so that's what happened to her daughter. And so those tragic things happened in her life. Now, very, easily, this woman who is older, who is suffering from health problems, and then had these tragedies happen, could, you know, easily just kind of hole herself away in her house and never come out. And she could easily just sink down into her pain. And I'm not saying there weren't days that she did that, you know, or that it's not okay to just grieve sometimes and just not, you know, stay under the covers for several days at a time. I'm sure there were, were those days right after the tragedies with her children happened, but this woman has simply persevered in the midst of these very hard circumstances, and she actually has had an opportunity to speak to domestic violence victims. She did a talk for a domestic violence um, home, a uh, safe home for women suffering from, from domestic violence. And uh, she told her story and she also just goes out in the community, talks to people about Jesus and she serves as a volunteer in the church. Now her health has gotten so bad. She used to greet people when they came into church, but now her health is bad to the point where she um, can't stand anymore for long periods of time. So instead of just giving up on church service, she has actually now calls people During, um, she's like a, on the hospitality team, she follows up with people who are new, new, newcomers and she'll call them and find out how they're doing. And she even says that a lot of times when she talks to people that she can just kind of sense when someone has suffered from the death of a child or someone has, um, has had a murder in their family that she is just naturally kind of drawn I think to those those people and she knows how to comfort them and talk to them and share with them how she has hope at the moment and so I love her story because she hasn't allowed her pain to prevent her from doing the work of God she's not denying that that the things she's gone through are painful she's not you know, pretending like there hasn't been pain or grief or confusion, but she is making the most out of the trials of her life and not only steadfastly remaining under them and, you know, turning to God for strength in the midst of them, but also actively serving him and even using what has happened to her to make her, better fit to serve other people, um, better able to comfort them and be compassionate. Trials can break us or they can help to mold us into the likeness of Jesus. We can simply bear up under our problems or we can like Jesus. Continue on our course, steady and fixed, allowing our sorrows to make us better fit to serve in his kingdom. I do want to emphasize before praying just that again, this isn't saying that we... We ignore our pain that we suppress it, that we pretend that sad things make us happy when they don't, but it is looking at what we've gone through and allowing those hard things that we'd rather not have happen to make us into the image of Jesus instead of deterring and, and, and throwing us off the course God has for us and saying, you know what, even these trials can work in my life, um, and have a good purpose in making me what God intends for me to be. They are not here to deter me from my purpose unless we let them. So let's go ahead and pray. Lord, life is hard and there are hard things that we all go through. I don't know what the struggles are of the people listening, but chances are they've tuned in because they are going through hard life circumstances. And Lord, I pray for your encouragement and strength for the people listening. I pray that you would be with them and that you would give them just an encouragement in this message, however imperfect it may have been that you would speak to them and that you, you're not limited by the words that I've spoken. You can go outside of those words, Lord, you can, you can give exactly what is needed and, and minister to the people listening exactly how you want to. So Lord, I would just pray that they would find encouragement That Lord, whatever they're going through, that they would be able to view those circumstances with a different perspective, that they would have a renewed hope, that Lord, you would show them how they can get through in their circumstance, but also not only just get through, but thrive in that they can use what's happening to them to be more effective and that they can serve you even in the midst of their challenges and that you would give them just a renewed Strength and a renewed hope in the midst of their hard times, thank you, Lord, that you don't leave us alone. Thank you that you can use everything in our life, even hardship, to make us who we're intended to be and Lord, help us press on to that goal, Lord, and not to lose heart or to give up, but to keep going, knowing that you are you have an end purpose in mind that you are fashioning us into what we're intended to be. And that, Lord, let us not hinder the work that you plan to do in us or you're doing in us by trying to get out of our trials or trying to to simply resist what you're doing. Help us to be faithful, Lord, and help us to submit to the work you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.